Well, once again, it's good to be able to come to the Lord's house and worship the Lord in spirit and truth, to lift up the name of Jesus, the only name given among men, whereby we must be saved. And uh, worship Him and serve Him as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Redeemer. And... uh, and to know that He's called us to walk, not according to as we walked in times past, but He's called us to walk as He's commanded us to. And I'd like for us to take that thought this morning and expound upon it a little, if we may. And I'd like to take for a title today, Leaving the Old Life Behind. Leaving the Old Life Behind. I'd like to take our scripture reading today from the book of Philippians. Uh, We're going to remain in the book of Philippians, but we're going to go to chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to read the first 11 verses of chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, 1 through 11. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. But for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. That I might also have confidence, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, Blameless, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I counted all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ." And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And I'd like to stop right there. And uh, Paul lays out a lot of things here for the church at Philippi. And uh, and so we're going to get into unpacking some of the things that he talked about. But the central, the central thought that we would like to try to convey is leaving the old life behind. And uh, and he taught and, and Paul starts off here uh, in this lesson uh, 
with an with an admonition for the church there to rejoice in the Lord. And certainly those of us that are in the Lord, uh, that's what we do when we come to worship the Lord, isn't it? We should come to worship the Lord. We should come to rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because He's made a way whereby we can be reconciled unto God. He's made a way that we can be made anew. <laughs> in Christ Jesus. And that's really what it is that we're celebrating. Uh, that's what it is that we're rejoicing, is that we're in the Lord. But he does give a caution, doesn't he? He does write a cautionary tale. He, he says here, he says, beware of dogs. And now that's not literal dogs, that's dogs, right? I mean, we know what he's talking about. Men who uh, are uh, of an impure mind, who don't have the best uh, intentions, right? Behaving as dogs. I I think we can look around the country today and say, there's a lot of dogs in the country (laughs) that we live in. (laughs) Beware of evil workers. And beware of the concision. Now this is really interesting right here in this second verse because Paul is writing them. He starts off in the first verse and says, Rejoice in the Lord, but you need to be aware and stay watchful for these things. For dogs, for those who are are evil workers, and for the concision. Now the word there that's translated as concision, what it really means is mutilators. And he's going to expand on what he means by that in the next verse when he says, For we are the circumcision. We. Paul writing to the church there at Philippi and saying, We are the circumcision. Those of us, those of us that are saved are the circumcision. Now, I want to touch on this for just a minute. Let's go back here to the warning. Beware of the dogs, evil workers, and beware of the concision, which he's talking about Jews here and Judaizers, right? So in verse 2, uh, and, oh, sorry, in chapter 2, verse 8 of the book of Colossians, he gives another warning, and, and I believe that this goes right along with it. He says, Beware lest any man spoil through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And so if you have anybody who comes in and they're proclaiming some any other doctrine other than salvation through Christ, uh, and uh, uh, as Paul said uh, that they're preaching anything other than Christ resurrected, crucified and resurrected, and they're preaching some other way to get to the Father, then you know that you've probably got a dog in your midst, don't you? It's only one way we have access to the Father, that's through the Son. And so here, Paul's saying, don't weigh your traditions. <laughs> and so here's, here's what I would say about this. Weigh your traditions. What do I mean when I say weigh your traditions? Make sure your traditions aren't dragging you out of Christ, right? Because that's what he says in the book of Colossians. He says, beware lest any man spoil you. And that means plunder, right? When he's writing spoil here, he's using it in terms of uh, a plundering or a pillaging that's going on. Uh, If they spoil you through philosophy, uh, through some kind of worldly teaching uh, or vain deceit, uh, if they do that, or if they introduce some tradition that's not after 
Christ, but after men. Now, I could go down a whole road there. I'm not going to waste your time this morning in going down that road. But we're just going to say, weigh your traditions and, and look at the traditions. Look at the things that you do and, and, and examine them and say, are they true? Do they, do they keep us in Christ? Are they after Christ or are they not? And, and so that's another warning that he gives. But he says here in Philippians, he says, beware of the dogs. He's saying beware of those that would bring those teachings in. Uh, and he says dogs and evil workers and beware of the concision. Now usually he would always refer to the Jews as the circumcision. They of the circumcision. Because that's how they identified themselves. They of the circumcision. But here he changes it up because he says he says they're the concision and, and saying he all they do is mutilate all they do is mutilate themselves and he says but we are the circumcision. Now I th- I find that very interesting that Paul writing to the church of Philippi references the church of Philippi the believers that make up the church of Philippi as the circumcision. Now I think there's a reason for that obviously. And I want to touch on a couple verses here for you. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. Right? You read the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah doesn't say ye uncircumcised in your flesh. His problem that he has with Israel, he says ye uncircumcised of hearts. And so he says, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. It says, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thy heart. What happens when somebody gets saved? That's what happens, isn't it? The heart of an unbeliever gets circumcised. And so Paul references the church there at Philippi and he calls them, he says, we are the circumcision. They're not the circumcision. We're the circumcision. You go to Romans chapter 2, the end of Romans chapter 2, who are Jews? The true Jews are those that are inwardly Jews, those that have been circumcised in the heart and not in the flesh. Where is the emphasis placed, right? Is it on the outward or is it on the inward? It needs to be placed on the inward. He goes on, he says, which worship God in the Spirit, right? After we're saved, after we've been circumcised in the heart, uh, which everybody who's lost has to experience that. And here's the thing. (laughs) I can't imagine the outward experience like Abraham experienced when he was older. When he had that done, I can't imagine that that was a very pleasant experience. (laughs) And so here's the thing. We've made the inward circumcision, we've taken away all the grief from it, haven't we? That's, that's Christianity's main failing today. Is they've taken away dying to yourself. Here's what you have to do. You have to die to yourself. You have to hear the word. Yes, you have to hear the word. You have to do all of that. 
but you got to be uncircumcised. You got to be circumcised in your heart. We are the circumcision. And he goes on, for we worship God in spirit. And Jesus told us that we worship God in spirit and in truth because in in reason we do that, he tells us that God is a spirit, and so we worship him in spirit and truth. And, and we see here uh, it says and rejoice in Jesus, right? Because we have no confidence at all in the flesh. And now that not only means just our physical flesh, but that means the deeds of the flesh, doesn't it? That means the worldly things that would help us advance, those things we ought not find a lot of pleasure in anymore. And we're going to look at examples of, of, of exactly just that. Now, let's touch on this here. Paul, in the fourth verse, he starts talking about people who do glory after the flesh, right? That I might also, though I might, sorry, that though I might also have confidence in the flesh. In other words, he says we don't re, we don't have confidence in the flesh, but you know I could. <laughs> he said I could have a lot of confidence in the flesh, and he's going to lay out why. And uh, and so we're going to look at this, and, and then we're going to juxtapose it with something else. He, he says, If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, listen to what Paul says. He says, I more. In other words, he says, I have more of a reason to, try, to, to boast of the fleshly things in life than you do. My flesh, the things that, that, that pertain to it, I have more of a justification, let's just say, to boast of those things than possibly anybody else does. He's going to get into all of those. We've read through them, but he's going to lay out how he's kept the law, observed the law, done, kept the traditions that were, uh, that were, uh, that pertain to the Jews and the Pharisees specifically, uh, and, uh, and he's gonna highlight all those things. Circumcised the eighth day as the law commanded, of the stock of Israel, a tr- of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, meaning I'm very well schooled in the law. And I'm actually somebody who is supposed to teach the law. (laughs) Concerning zeal of the Jewish religion, he answers persecuting the church. Consenting even unto the death of Stephen. Even unto the death of Stephen. Consenting unto the death of Stephen. He goes on here. And he says... Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, we just said he was consenting unto the death of Stephen. But amongst his own countrymen, he was blameless. There was no charge to be laid at his feet. Even the death of Stephen was not a a, a chargeable offense. It was viewed as something that was just. Amongst themselves. He goes on. So you think about, actually, he's going to go on, but we're going to take a pause here. So you think about those things, all of those things which pertain to him naturally, 
He said, if I wanted to boast of those things, I could boast of those things, and those things would profit me very well in life, in this natural life, in the physical life. Outwardly, those things would be very beneficial to Paul. They would be, bring a life of comfort. They would bring a life of privilege. They would bring a life of access. They, they would bring about all the things that a lot of people strive for in life. He could have it all. He could have it all. And remember, he said, but I more. Imagine being in a position where you could have it all. You could have everything that the world holds dear. You could have the money. You could have the recognition. You could have whatever. He says, I could have it amongst my own countrymen. Amongst the Jews, I could have been made. I was a made man, let's just say. Imagine being in that position and looking at all of that and saying... It's worth nothing to me. <laughs> we live in a day and an age where most people would look at that situation and they would say, I would prefer to have that. I would prefer to be in a position where I would never have a physical need, never have a want. I would be recognized everywhere I go. Uh, I would be uh, looked, up, uh, looked up and lauded at by, by men. Uh, and, uh, and I would just be in a position where I, of respect uh, and I would command respect everywhere I went. Uh, imagine if that were the case and then look at it and say, I don't want, it have, I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's what Paul did. He says, he says, but what things were gained to me, I counted those but lost. Now listen here the way Paul talks about himself over in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. Paul talking about himself. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord uh, who hath enabled me for, <clears throat> for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer a persecutor and injurious, Paul talks about himself. In other words, he says, before I was saved, before I was placed in the ministry by Jesus, I was, I was a blasphemer against God, I, was, I persecuted the church, and I was injurious, meaning I, was, I, I killed I killed him. He went, he was on the road to Damascus. He was not going there on a friendly mission. He was on the way to find out everywhere he could all the churches of the Lord and snuff them out. That was what he was doing. That was his zeal. He was very zealous toward that. But Paul says, but I obtained mercy. Why did he obtain mercy? And he writes Timothy and he says, Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Why is it that somebody who can be the worst sinner in the world, right, in the, in the eyes of men, why is it that God can save them? Because they did it in unbelief. Not in every case, right? But in, in most cases, Paul says, I did it in unbelief. If you don't know the Lord, 
You don't know the Lord. And he didn't know the Lord even though he thought he was a champion of God. But he was no champion. Now let's look at the juxtaposition because he said he was more, if, if it came to glorying in the flesh, that he could glory more than anybody else. How about in the spirit? How about in the spirit? Let's look at Paul and, and, and him in the spirit. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 18 through 30. He, he writes here to the church at Corinth, uh, and he says, Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. I speak concerning reproach as though he had been, I speak concerning reproach as though he had been weak. Howbeit it wherein soever any is bold, and in parentheses here, Paul speaking in a foolish manner, right? He even, it even says here, I speak foolishly. Paul says, I am bold also. I am bold also. And now, remember, he said, as it pertained to glory in the flesh, he said, I more, I can glory more. He asked this question, are they Hebrews? So am I. <laughs> are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. And these are questions he's asking the church there at Corinth rhetorically, and he's giving them the answer that he too is what they say that they are. He's, he asks this question, though. Are they ministers of Christ? Again, it says, I speak as a fool, or I speak foolishly. In other words, he's not holding his tongue. He's letting, his, he's letting it go, isn't he? He's saying, he's saying exactly what he means. Are they ministers of Christ? Paul says, now it says, I am more, and am is in italics, but he just says the same thing, doesn't he? He says, I more. Are they ministers of Christ? I more. As it pertained to the fleshly things, he said, if I wanted to glory in the flesh, I could glory more than they could. Here he's talking about being in the ministry. And he says, are they ministers? I'm more. Now why does he say that? And we're talking about leaving the old life behind. His, his own life was a lot. It could have been a very luxurious life. He really, he really quote unquote, had the tiger by the tail. He was proving himself through the, zeal, through the zealousness of persecuting the church. And, and then his knowledge of the scriptures and all of that. Uh, but here, uh, but he says, I gave all of that up. I counted it as dung. And here he says, are they ministers of Christ? And he says, I'm more. Now I want you to listen. We just talked about the life that he had. You listen to the life that he chose over it. Listen to the life he chose over Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, sh suffered shipwreck, 
a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And besides those things that are without, which cometh upon me daily. Boy, you look at the life that Paul had versus the life that Paul rejoiced over. You you look at the life that Paul left behind and you look at the life that Paul went to as a result of his conversion there on on the Damascus Road, the love that he had for Christ. Helped him to get through all of these things. People want to use Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That doesn't mean I can score a touchdown. That doesn't mean I can score. That doesn't mean I can shoot a three. That doesn't mean I can kick a soccer goal uh, or football goal, right, in the rest of the world. That doesn't mean that I'm great at sports. It doesn't mean I'm good at business. It doesn't mean that I get to go to my uh, comfortable house with the air conditioning and I get to lay down in my fluffy bed and I get to rest all night. No, 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 no. No, Philippians 4.13 means this. It means I can go through and I can suffer these things. I can suffer being given 40, 39 stripes five times in my life. I can be beaten with rods. I can be stoned and shipwrecked. I can be in the deep for a night and a day. I can, be, I can have my life threatened everywhere I go. I would prefer that over the life that I could have had. That's what Philippians 4.13 means. Leaving that old life behind. Being a Christian, it does not mean the world... It's not supposed to mean, let me put it this It's not supposed to mean the world loves you. (laughs) Actually, the truth is exactly 180 degrees opposite from that. And Paul is the best example of this because he left the the old life behind like nobody else in the scriptures. And because of that, that's what he that's why he said, Are they ministers of Christ? I more. Why? Because I suffered more for the cause of Christ than they did. Because I suffered more for the cause of Christ than they did. And then the very last thing he writes about that comes upon him daily, the care of all the churches. There's a reason that Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He was the most educated. By far, I believe, he was the most educated. But above that, in the things that he suffered, he was extremely dedicated. To the cause of Christ. And that's what we have to look at it and say, have I left the old life behind? Am I as dedicated to the to Christ as much as I like to say that I am? 
He's going to finish up here in 2 Corinthians. He's going to say, Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which, confer, which, which concern my infirmities. I'll boast in the things that I've suffered for the cause and for the sake of Christ. Those are the things I'll boast about. I won't boast about the things that the flesh can give me. His flesh must have been really bad to look at. <laughs> as many times as he was beaten, stoned, all the things that he went through. I, I read. Uh, I just recently revisited uh, Obadiah Holmes. Anybody know who Obadiah Holmes is? He was a Baptist up in Rhode Island, and, uh, and he and I believe John Clark... They went to visit somebody uh, in Massachusetts who was a Baptist, and they were having services at his house, and the Congregationalists came, and they threw him in jail. And, he, and Obadiah Holmes st stayed in jail for, I believe it was the better part of a month, uh, and, uh, and he, w he refused to pay the fine that they had levied against him. And in response to his refusal, in response to his refusal to pay the fine, which was $5, in today's language, we think only $5? $5 was a lot of money back then. But in his refusal to pay the fine, they tied him to a lamppost. I believe it was a lamppost. And they publicly whipped him. And he, didn't, he couldn't lay on his back for the better part of a month. And he carried those scars with him the rest of his life. You think about that. Paul experienced way more than Obadiah Holmes did. And Paul said all the things... Let's go back and revisit it. Let's go back and revisit it. Paul said all the things... All the things... All the things that would have been... Here we go. Were gained to me those I counted lost to Christ... He doubles down on it, doesn't he? Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Are we sold out like this, folks? <laughs> I, I, I really got to say, I think we need to examine ourselves and say, am I really sold out for the Lord? Because that's the question here. Uh, if we're going to leave our old life behind, we have to leave behind the, the love of the old life, the things that were profitable to us in the old life and here he says not only that but he says for whom I have suffered the loss of all things so on top of all those physical things that he suffered he lost everything when he converted when, well not when he converted but when he got saved you don't convert to be a Christian it's not a set of works you go through you get under conviction and you get circumcised in your heart I suffered the loss of all things, and I do but count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Isn't that amazing? The life that Paul led, the things that he suffered. I want to close with this, and I'm going to be really quick here. Let's juxtapose that with Peter. <laughs> 
when Jesus had told them to go back up to Cana and Galilee and wait for him and he would meet them up there? Will they get up there? Of course, the Lord's already uh, been crucified and they get up there. And I guess that Jesus was taking a little too long for Peter's liking. And maybe he thought he wasn't coming. Right? And so he's just in and Peter's of the mind, okay, well, I guess he's I, I guess he's not coming. I guess I guess what do we do now? This is an example of what not to do, isn't it? What do we do now? He told us to come up to Cana of Galilee, which if you really know where that's at, that's where it all really began, isn't it? That's where he turned water into wine. That's where the first miracle occurred. It's up there on the Sea of Galilee. Peter's there. Thomas is there. Nathaniel's there. James and John are there. And it says two other disciples, and that's believed to be Andrew and Philip. So you got seven of you got seven of the, the twelve there, right? Actually, there's only 11 at this time. Seven of the 11 are at this one place. And, and here they are. And, and, and there, Jesus has said, go up to Cana of Galilee. You can find that over in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, I think it's verse 16. And, and so they go up to Cana of Galilee. And they, they're waiting. And, uh, and I guess they, the Lord tarried his coming a little bit. Folks, we don't need to be, we don't need to lose our faith because the Lord tarries his coming. All things work out in God's time. He appears when he when he's supposed to appear. And, and so here Peter decides, well, I guess he's not coming. He got he, he died on the cross. Yeah, we've already seen him that he's resurrected, but I guess he's not coming back. What are we gonna do now? Peter says, I know. Let's go fishing. <laughs> Let's go fishing. That's what we did before we knew him. <laughs> Let's just go back to doing what we did before. <laughs> Don't go fishing. <laughs> not literally, Gary. I mean, not literally. I mean, in the sense of going back to living your old life. Don't go back to living your old life because look what they did. Look how it, look at, look what position they were in. Peter says, I, I go fishing. And they were like, well, okay, we'll go too. <laughs> they all decided that, well, I guess he's not coming back. I guess he's, I guess we're done here. Let's close up shop. They went forth and they entered into a ship. And they fished all night. And they caught nothing. They wasted their time, didn't they? You know what? For somebody who's saved to go back to trying to live their life in the old way that they were before they got saved, you're wasting your time. And I, I would say this too. You're also wasting the Lord's time. You're wasting the Lord's time. You were saved for a purpose and for a reason... We know what the reason is. That's that the whole that the gospel may be preached in all the world. We go and read the Great Commission. And so here, Jesus presents himself and says, Hey, do you have any meat? And they're like, No. But they don't know it's Jesus yet. He says, Well, hey, why don't you lower your net down on the right side of the ship? 
and you'll find fish. And they couldn't pull them in. <laughs> John, who never refers to himself in first person, I guess third person because he's the author, but John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, says to Peter, uh, it's the Lord. <laughs> it's like nobody else other than the Lord can say, hey, if you put your net down over the right side of the boat, you'll catch fish. Guess what we're supposed to be, especially those of us that's called to be preachers? We're supposed to be fishers of men, aren't we? Isn't that what Jesus said? Come with me and thou shalt be fishers of men. If we go back to trying to live our old life, we're going to labor away and we're not going to have any fish to show for it, are we? I'm afraid there's a lot of preachers that fall into that category. Don't go back to living your old life. Don't. Don't go back. Be like Paul. Say, all the things that were before me, I count them, but dung for the excellency that I may know Christ Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be in it. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means to be Christ-like. We all need to be more Christ-like. That's our message this morning. I pray that you'll get a blessing out of it. Brother Williams, if you've got a song chosen.